This is the 210 Podcast, where we show you how to have more as a busy professional woman while still enjoying the mommy life. We are your hosts, Dr. Amy Steele and Dr. Carol Broxton. Welcome again to our podcast listeners. We are glad you stopped by and hope this podcast brings you a renewed perspective on being a busy mom. So, Carol, how are things going with you and the family? Busy as always, right? Absolutely. Um, so now um, my oldest girl, Angel, she's officially a phlebotomist for Red Cross and she's loving it. She's enjoying herself in Minnesota, enjoying the cool weather and everything. My kid, other children are, of course, doing virtual school. It's still a challenge, but we're hanging in there. And um, my husband, he's enjoying school. The kids coming back and having great workouts with the kids and just being a coach is something he loves to do. And of course, I'm out there working as a pharmacist. So we are always busy, busy, busy. And of course, football is going well. My boys both had two games so far and they've won games. One son lost the game, but we're doing good. They're making their touchdowns, having great plays. So we're also busy, you know, a busy school year. How about yourself? How are you and your family? So yeah, we're doing really good. We are also busy, similar to you. So my oldest is back at home. She's moved back in. So we kind of made her room like a dorm room. So we bought a refrigerator and it has a little freezer on it. So she keeps her special snacks inside of there. So that's hilarious to me. If we want something out of her special snacks section, then we have to ask permission. So (laughs) that's funny. Yes. So the second child, she is still at her campus. At one point, they had less than 20 cases of COVID-19, so they stayed on campus. And so we're excited about that. The third child, he will go back to his public residential boarding school coming up in about two weeks. So he's a senior in high school, but he lives away. So he, of course, is home now, but he'll go to the school in the second cohort starting in a couple weeks. And then we have two little ones at home, the 11-year-old and the 8-year-old, and they're still in elementary and middle school, respectively. So that is interesting. I tell my husband, I kind of have an argument with the 8-year-old every day. And my husband witnessed this for the first time about two weeks ago. And I said, honey, we're going to be best friends in about 20 minutes. We just have to make it through this time. Yeah, so it's been great and we're excited about the rest of the year and kind of where we're going. So just to kind of move our listeners along, we are so excited to be with you today. Our topic for today is pretty interesting. We talk about, you know, COVID and we're in the middle of COVID, but we're also spending a tremendous amount of time together with each other. And as families, you know, we're kind of coming upon like all these different things that maybe didn't seem so big before, but now they're seemingly larger than we've ever witnessed. And so one of those is obviously spending time with one another every day. But the other one is discipline. So our topic today is how should we discipline our children? Now, for me, discipline is multifaceted, right? To have discipline can be having something, you know, doing something in a a straight and narrow way or being able to focus on something for a long period of time or a period of time and do it well. But discipline can also relate to children and disciplining children, meaning correcting them for mistakes or things that they've done and instructing them in the way of how, you know, they should do those things. So for me, discipline should come from a place of not being angry or aggravated 
But unfortunately, you know, it often falls or involves anger or frustration, maybe from the parent or from the kid. So, you know, Carol, what are your thoughts about our topic today? All right. So this is a tough topic for me because I had to learn lessons from disciplining my children the hard way. Each one of my children are different. And what works for one, I've learned, for one child does not work for the other. I want to first start with my upbringing so to kind of help explain <laughs> what I kind of went through. So being brought up by my mother and grandmother, and she was my great grandmother, they were very strong and independent, stern Christian women that did not play the radio literally. They believed if you spare the rod, you what? Spoil the child. So I do recall using what I'm going to call aversive punishment from both of them, meaning, yes, a physical punishment to correct the behavior. It was not often, but the very few times that I experienced this, it did impact my thought process and behavior. I was fearful of my mom and my grandmother. A thought never crossed my mind to disobey or refute anything they required of me. Now, there are some benefits I understand to aversive punishment. Typically, the child will have an immediate response to stop what they're doing and correct his or her behavior. But there are a lot of disadvantages I have learned also. For instance, I was a very obedient child, right? But if I had an issue or ill feeling about a matter, I would keep it to myself and just accept the problem and suffer in silence because I did not want to take the chance of being aversively disciplined. So, Amy. What experiences do you have growing up with your parents' discipline myth? Well, I didn't quite know there was a name for it, but it was rigid in my household. <laughs> and I, I love how you said aversive discipline. I think that's something new, you know, I'm going to have to put some more attention to. But discipline was rigid in my household for sure. I had a strong grandmother just like you. She was my grandmother, not necessarily my great grandmother. And we called her Big Mama. And she did not play. She was serious all the time, very firm. She did not play around. She smiled rarely. But when she smiled, I mean, it was like a special occasion. She sent us to school. And, you know, we better do everything right and correctly or else we would have really gotten it when we got home. So there, that was a combination of physical discipline as well as verbal discipline. But mostly physical, and everybody was our disciplinarian. So no one was off limits. There was Miss Johnson on the corner, Senora Dolores, Imona, y la abuela, y Constancio. Those were my Mexican neighbors. All of my Mexican neighbors were able to discipline little Amy and because I, I spent so much time at their houses. Both of my grandmothers were the leaders of our family. They were our rocks. And when I finally started living with my parents, because I've shared the story before, my parents had me when they were 14. So my grandmothers raised me up until my parents were able to kind of take over and, you know, become the adults they were <laughs> destined to become. And uh, my dad mm -hmm. then joined the army. But when I was finally living with my parents full time, I was pretty much trained and, you know, ready. But there was a still, a, you know, there was still a tiny bit of rebellious nature inside of me because I had more freedom. So my grandmother was mm -hmm. like on me, on me all the time. but you know, she wanted me to do the right thing and grow up in a good, solid, strong Christian household. And when I moved in with my parents, they were not necessarily Christians yet. <laughs> so we kind of grew up 
to that point together, but they also were very strict though, because they were, we were then became a military family. So yeah, from the military, I had that hardcore perspective. So ultimately it was just strict. It was just really strict. So I think the question now, Carol, is, you know, both of us have kind of described our upbringings and talked about how we bring discipline or how we came into the way we discipline our kids now. So how do you discipline your kids now in relationship to how you grew up? I have to say I made many mistakes in attempting to discipline my kids, especially when the children were younger. My mindset was to do as I say now or else, which came from my background of being raised by strong and stern, no nonsense women. It was their way or aversive punishment was given, that physical punishment that included being spanked with a belt, hand switch, anything near them, they would get their hands on. So I had the same mindset that if I spanked my children's hand, Papa may be on the bottom, that would work. But, you know, it would fix the problem. But oh boy, how wrong was I about this? So I had to learn, you know, my girls did, I learned that my girls did not need aversive punishment. To be honest, they were so easy to discipline and correct. I could just raise my voice and they would straighten up. But those boys gave me a run for my money. Let me tell you, they they gave me a hard time. They, they, They gave me pushback. So, Amy, was there a difference between your boys and your girls? Because there were de- there was definitely a difference between my boys and my girls when it comes down to discipline. Well, I would say ultimately we tried to, from my husband and my perspectives, we tried to keep it very similar in terms of how we disciplined them. Now, how they responded was definitely different. The boys were more like, you know, we're just playing. It's just it's no big deal. You know, it's not that 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 serious. And now I have a 17 year old boy and an eight-year-old boy. And it's always like everything they do is just playing. But for the girls, I think everyone's always concerned that girls are more fragile. They can fall into different kind of trouble, you know, that maybe we as a family are not ready for. And so they require more, you know, more curfew, more this, more that. But the way we approached our kids was about the same. But yes, the way they responded was definitely different. And I would have to say, we started with two older girls. They gave us a run for our money. Just because the smart mouth, the attitude, you know, when they uh, get visited by their their maturity friend (laughs) every month and we all get visited by the same maturity friend every month, you know, there's always this notion of who is the female in charge in the house. So (laughs) that's that's what I faced with my girls, which is why they gave me a run for my money. But I think what you said was so important about the aversive discipline and not necessarily needing that for your girls. When I express disappointment in my kids, all of them, whichever one it is at the moment that it occurs, and it doesn't happen often, but if I express disappointment, that is what drives them bananas. Like that makes them so much more disciplined or it disciplines them the most. When we ex- exercise this, like, I'm so disappointed in you, <laughs> as opposed to popping their butts or whatever. And we've done that, you know, but my husband and I got to a point where I didn't even pop the kids or spank them at all. I just didn't do any of that. He did that. And that worked for my family. Now, that may not work for everybody's family, everyone's family, especially um, single parent households, but it just worked for us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there was a difference for sure. Well, and and that's so funny because, see, my husband did not like disciplining the kids. He did not like putting his hands on the kids. He just kind of wanted to go with raising his voice, 
you know, and or he would just have to step away and be like, okay, he will let me be, be the stern one, the mean parent. I always say, well, you let why you let me be the mean parent? I was a tough and rigorous, tough parent. While my husband was more the fun dad, he was the cool guy. And it was like, that's not fair. That is not fair. So disciplining my boys, like uh, getting back to my boys, was a constant battle because the very next day after using aversive punishment, they would do the exact same thing I told them not to do. So being the strongest certain woman that I am, I use aversive punishment, but it was not working. I, I was stuck. They wore me down to the core and I found myself so frustrated. And I would tell my husband, get your boys, your boys, not mine, but your boys, because I cannot deal as if everything I was saying or doing was pointless because the message was not, it wasn't getting across. And, and what I was trying to get them to see, they just weren't seeing it. So, and let me, and I have a good story for this one. So to kind of explain, you know, give you a good story behind this whole discipline thing. I remember being on a trip with my family. We were in a van going, to, I can't even remember where we were going, but I, one of my sons was acting up. He just would kept agitating everybody. And I just kept telling them, stop what you're doing, stop what you're doing. But of course it was not, it was not getting through. So before I knew it, I went from zero to 100. Amy, let me tell you, that boy pushed my buttons. And before I knew it, my body, I don't even know how I got to the back of the van in like seconds, but my, it was so funny. My body flung to the back of that seat and I just let him have it. And my husband to this day, he teases me about that experience. He was like, it was like the matrix. Your body moved in slow motion to the back of the van. <laughs> I think I shocked everybody, myself, my husband, my kids, like, Whoa, mom. <laughs> calm down, lady. Calm down. Calm down. It was so funny. But at that time, you know, when you're dealing with your young kids and you kind of take on that, you know, that past, what you learn from your childhood and trying to implement that is, is not always the best way. You know, sometimes we just have to calm ourselves down and handle things differently. And I see that now that they're, you know, they're older. And I think about all these little stories that we have. It's like, oh, I think I could, I probably should have handled that just a little bit better <laughs> than I did at that moment. So, Amy, do you have any eventful moments when you had to discipline your children? Oh, man. Carol, I don't want to incriminate myself on this podcast, <laughs> but the short answer is, oh, yeah. My kids have the funniest, I was going to say weirdest, but funniest stories about me disciplining the, the boys or the girls. They say I did some kind of move one time where I, <laughs> I had my son by his upper body. And basically, I was, you know, engaging in something that probably is just not okay. So I was so mad at him. And I don't know what I what he did, but let them tell the story. You know, I was like going so, it, like you said, it's from zero to 100. I was going so off that it just did not make any sense. And I think it was something related to him with a phone. So it wasn't a phone phone. It was like an iPod. And what he was doing was he was, <laughs> he recorded himself saying, ma'am. And I was calling him and I would say, Mike. And he would say, ma'am. And the rule in my house <laughs> is if I call your name, you come to me. Don't say ma'am. You can say ma'am, but come to me as you're saying ma'am. 
do not wait and just stand there. Like there's five of you and there's one of me and I'm not going to lose. So, <laughs> so one of y'all is going to lose. It's not going to be me. But ultimately, if I call you, come. And so, you know, we had established this practice where if I call you, come. And then you can say, ma'am, on the way. And he recorded himself saying, ma'am. And he was just playing it over and over and over again. And I think what I did, I ran upstairs, skipped two or three steps and (laughs) just appeared in front of his face. And then I started to uh, lay hands on him. (laughs) And my girls say that I ran so fast and appeared so fast. They just did not know what to expect. So it's something like that. That's the story. But yeah, I've got some, I mean, with five kids, we both probably have about five stories for each of our kids about crazy discipline because our kids just kind of push us there. And, you know, I want all the listeners to know that your kids are, they're being children, yes, but in the moment that you as a parent are faced with trying to figure out how to handle this situation, you don't always have your reasoning hat on. And that's okay. It's okay to not know everything you should do in one collective moment when it comes to disciplining your children. You may have this plan of how you're going to discipline and how you're going to, you know, enforce the rules or encourage your kids to follow the rules, become good citizens, have high character, but it just doesn't always work out that way. And so that's okay. I think that's the number one thing. We have to give ourselves the okay that that's okay, you know, and then we got to come up with how we're going to respond. So Carol, what are some different ways you kind of discipline your kids So, you know, some people say there are all these different ways of disciplining your children. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? And like like you were saying, there are different ways to discipline your children. Some will say there's a right or wrong way, but I like to say there's always a better way. Yeah, I completely agree. And so what have you learned over the years about disciplining your five kids? Okay, well, I have learned that effectively communicating with your children or my kids about their behavior allows you to address the cause and effect of a deeper issue that can be resolved without resulting in aversive punishment, which we seem, sometimes we kind of go that we think that going that route is going to give you that, it will give you that quick, immediate response, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way to do things. So each child is different and has a different love language that we will discuss in our next episode. So your discipline technique strategy will also be different. I have to admit, my husband is so much better at disciplining the kids, and I truly am a work in progress. So, Amy, what advice would you give to our listeners on disciplining your children? Well, I love what you said. You know, every kid is different, and you really have to figure out how each kid responds, because there's something that another kid, each kid will respond to that the other one won't, but it won't cost you as much effort. So, for instance, We have taken the phones of some of our kids. Now that is in this day and age to a generation Z person. That's like death. You know, it it is a form of withdrawal that produces tons of anxiety. I mean, it really sends their body into a state of shock. So cutting off their electronic communication, cutting off their access to social media, that is actually a form of punishment. I know people think that that's not a form of punishment, but it really is. So that's something we do. We also have taken away driving privileges for the older kids. The car is, well, my kid, my older girls, they bought their own cars, but their cars are in their names, but their insurance, well, their insurance is now in their names as well. But at one point, 
their insurance was in our names and they were driving our cars. And so because of that, we would still take away their driving privileges and have them surrender their license, maybe just for a day or, you know, something like that to kind of drive home the point. We don't thrive on taking away things from our kids, but at the end of the day, they have to understand what's at stake with their behavior. So we do go through all of the possible things that could that make them happy. And you can do this kind of in a joyful way, like, you know, sit down with your kids when it's not a stressful time. No one's done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Everything is fine. And talk to them about what are their favorite things? I know this seems like, oh my gosh, that's so deceptive. It's not. What are their favorite things? What do they like? What are some things that, you know, they're very excited about that they have? What are their favorite possessions? Part of that is, you know, it's twofold. The reason why you want this information, one, is so that you can use it to actually celebrate them and give them gifts if you want to give them gifts, you know, that kind of thing. But then also to help you with creating a disciplined plan that doesn't necessarily involve punitive or aversive punishment, because sometimes aversive punishment doesn't, it just doesn't work, like you said. So I would say to our listeners, mm-hmm. be sure you know your kid, just like you want to know your spouse and understand who your spouse is, know your child and know your children and their differences, because every child does not respond the same. And I also have to say this, you know, some of the punitive measures we pass on to our kids are measures that were passed on to us, which have historical significance. And we have to recognize that, right? Because if we don't, then we don't know where this place of disciplining our kids comes from with this physical aggression. Again, sometimes spanking is definitely the most appropriate action. But other times there are other ways to get through to that child. So that's my best advice to our listeners on disciplining their children. All right. That sounds great. Well, thanks for listening to the 210 Podcast, where we shine light on topics for busy moms. Be sure to leave a comment and share this podcast with your family and friends. We would love to hear from you and interact with our followers. Make sure you follow the 210 Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day. Thank you.